Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us again. Coming at you live from Scottsdale, Phoenix, Arizona. 2020 Cactus League spring training-ish. Spring training-ish. <laughs> That's what I'm titling. <laughs> titling what's going on down here. You walk around and you see somebody wearing a Rocky shirt, Giant shirt, Diamondback shirt, Dodger shirt, Brewers shirt. They're down here to watch their teams. They're down here to get enthralled with the game, to have a cold beer, 90 degree heat. It's supposed to be today. It was 64 with thunderstorms and raining. Something's going on. Something's got to give. They're already saying at least two weeks are being pushed back from the original open day for opening day, the first pitch of the 2020 season of Major League Baseball. So the players are up in arms. They don't know what's going on. A lot of them have a few days off. Some of them might go home. Their families are all headed home. We're hearing it all. It's, um, it's different. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the game of baseball as a whole. Yesterday, we got into a little bit of my my Everything. opinions a little bit on how baseball players. Well, let's we got Will here. I mean, Will's a catcher. He's got a hose, right? I mean, you throw people out for a living. This you are the backstop. You're the you're the foundation. You're the team leader. I mean, I know the middle infield's important. I know the center fielder's important, but the catcher's a lot of the times he's working with the coach. He's calling the pitches. He understands what's going to happen a lot of the times before it even happens. He knows where you know this ball is going to probably be hit to third base side, first base side, up the middle. You're working on different you know, strategies, button defenses, you're calling all of this from behind home dish. You're the leader. Are baseball players as a whole, the best athletes in the world? Oh man. <laughs> come out right at me. He thought I was going to come at him with a <laughs> I don't know where that was going, but, uh, well, we had this man, discussion yesterday. Well, we talked about, we just talked about baseball players as a whole. If you took a player from each team, and you put them up against a player from each team, the NFL, the NBA, hockey, whatever it is. And you did a circuit of sporting events from ping pong to bowling to basketball to skiing. What group of professional athletes or Olympic athletes, if it was an Olympic you know, team that was chosen, what group would be the best? That's all we were talking about. We don't need to get into it again. <laughs> but if you think about it, baseball players are going to do exceptionally better at all of those sports eye hand coordination catching a football shooting a basketball doing a layup skiing swimming then a football player is then a basketball player is or it, or a skier is not going to come into the dish and hit a bomb a no. swimmer's not going to no, come yeah. on the field and kill <laughs> no. the ground ball <laughs> no but you guys could get on some skis and ski down a hill if you practice for an hour and then you could get in a pool and swim you know, I, it's just one of those things. I just, I just look at it as like baseball players as a whole. If you put them up against all the other athletes out there, they're going to perform better. That's what we discussed yesterday, Will. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of on the right, the right lines. But I mean, you know, in baseball, you have to be adaptive. You have to be able to do different stuff. You have to have, you know, great hand-eye coordination. You know, you have to be fast. You got to be strong. And yeah, I think that kind of plays into, you know, it. You throw a, you know, super Olympic event and you put all athletes in there. Yeah, I think baseball players are going to do really well. But, I mean, when it comes to just physical strength, you know, physical size, speed, you know, it's hard to count football out right there. But, you know, when you're doing everything else, I always, who knows? I always, go, ba I always go back to swinging a bat and hitting a round object with a round bat. I just think yeah. that you saw Michael Jordan, who's one of the best athletes in his respected sport of basketball of all time. He got in with the Birmingham team in double-A AA or triple-A. And he, he had played baseball before, and he's an athlete, and he couldn't hit the ball very good. So if you think about it, you're taking the guy that can dunk from the free throw line, he can do anything in the world of basketball, and you put a bat in his hand, 
Now, I'm not saying that you could go on the court as being a starting catcher in the major leagues and dunk from the free throw line. But I guarantee you can dribble and know your way around the court and pass the ball and layups and shoot. I, I, it's a weird argument. People look at me like, you're crazy. Cam Zink, who's a, uh, uh, he's a professional mountain biker. He's won the Red Bull Rampage. He's been on this podcast before. He's a stud athlete. Like he would work circles around me in a lot of athletic events. He says that motorcycle racers, motocross guys are on a different level of athleticism with i've heard training. those guys are crazy their heart rate yes. and the things that they're able to do with their core and their abs and their their forearms and he says it's crazy how good of athletes they are so he would challenge that you take 10 motocross riders and you put them in a ping pong bowling swimming basketball football baseball lacrosse whatever the athletic event is that they're going to come that they're going to beat baseball players and i looked at him and said you're crazy I promise you that they're not baseball players just have a knack for knowing their way around a wrestling mat, a basketball court, a football field, a ski hill, a swimming pool, a ping pong table, a bowling alley. You take you guys and you go to top golf tonight, like trout the other night, we were talking about trout hitting a golf ball. They just look like athletes. You put a football player out there swinging a golf club. You're going to look like an athlete. I'm telling you, Ray Lewis cannot swing a golf club. I would get, bet money on that. Am I saying too much, Will? I don't know, man. <laughs> Ray, can you hear me? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, we, it came up because I had a big discussion in Argentina at a duck hunt with some guys from Benelli, and they looked at me like I was an idiot that soccer players were the best athletes in the world. And I said, You've got to be kidding me, dude. All they do is run around and dribble this little checkered up ball and then flop around like a goldfish out of water. They're not going to come onto the baseball field. Now, look, I love soccer and I got mad respect for soccer players, but they're not the best athletes in the world. They make a lot of money because they're selling out stadiums, 80,000 seat yeah. capacity. Right. They're studs. I get it, but they're not a baseball player. Well, they literally don't use their hands. True. What do I right? do with my not hands? Not a lot. The whole time they're... Unless you're the goalie, you're not using your hands. No, so let's let's. I don't want to put guys that are in their mid twenties on the spot to have the thoughts or the feelings or the opinions that I do, being twenty years older than. But at one time, I looked like these guys. I was in shape. I was kind of like the BMOC, like I was playing baseball D one, walking around like man, I can. And then I soon found out that I couldn't hit a curveball or a changeup. <laughs> <laughs> So it was pretty much downhill from there. So that's what I want to start with, Will, is 2016, you're drafted in the first round mm -hmm. by the Los Angeles Dodgers as a catcher. In 2016, that's four years ago, you're 21 years old, you're, you're, you're coming out of college, you're a junior in college. I, I talked to Caleb about this yesterday. Walk me through that day of the phone ringing, what your agent's saying, your mom and dad. Walk, walk us through it, how that goes down for a 21-year-old kid. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. You know, I've been at the University of Louisville. We had guys drafted every year I was there and years prior. And you kind of see, you know, what the juniors and seniors go through before the draft. And so I kind of had a decent idea of what was going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, that day was crazy. We had a, you know, team party. There were actually uh, two guys drafted ahead of me that night and another one or two guys after me that, you know, on the first day, first two rounds. And so, I mean, it was a special day for, you know, myself and then my my teammates that that were drafted as well pretty high and you know my family was there I get the call you know I get a text actually about two seconds before it came on tv saying you're going and then right then my face comes up on tv you know the 30 second pick you're Will Smith picked by the Dodgers and yeah I mean it was 
my phone was blowing up right after that. I didn't really, it's kind of this, you know, 20 minutes of what really just happened. What happened? Were you drafted next. out of high school? No, I wasn't. Wow. So, so three was, years later, you're a yeah. first rounder. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. Which is crazy now. I mean, going to this whole spring training and college baseball being canceled, I feel like for me, if this happened my junior year, I for sure would not have been picked in the you know, first round. I would have been 10, 12th round, maybe. Who knows? But, you know, you feel bad for those, you know, juniors and seniors that don't get that extra time to Well, let's to put showcase. it – because they're literally, like, starting their season, like, a month ago, maybe? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like February 15th, maybe. something February like that. 15th. Yeah. So they're a month into the season, and it's canceled. And they're like, getting like, an extra year of eligibility. Did you see that? Oh, did they? Really? Yeah. A spring sport gets an extra year of eligibility now. Because of the cancellations. Because of the cancellations. Even the NCAA basketball, even though they start. No, November, I don't. Is that think considered so. a spring sport? I don't think so. So just wow. baseball, so softball, wow. wrestling, rest. Yeah, oh, is wrestling a winter sport too? That's probably considered a winter sport because the championships are starting right now. When's lacrosse? In the fall. Uh, that's that? spring. Spring. Yeah. What'd you say, lacrosse? Yeah. When is that? I'm just thinking <laughs> sports. I, I mess with my, my 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 niece's boyfriend. He's a head lacrosse coach. <laughs> at high school. He's that's a great sport. So. You kind of have an idea. That's really cool to hear that some of your teammates are yeah. drafted before you in the first round. Louisville mm-hmm. has a stacked team at the time. What was it that you had? What were you? What did you know you had going for you? Are you a five-tool player at this time? Are the scouts telling you that they love your your bat speed? Is it your arm speed? Is it your intelligence on the game? Is it able to read a play behind the plate? What do you got going for you? You know, I think it was they saw the defensive potential in me being, you know, a starting catcher in the big leagues. And I think I did enough my junior year. I mean, I had a great offensive year that they saw, wow, we got a catcher that I can hit too. You know, he's really good behind the plate and he can also swing it. We can we can work with it. And it's, uh, you know, it's not too big of a risk. There's always a risk drafting guys, but I think they saw me as not too big of a risk and that they saw me as, you know, a good shot at helping them win games in the big leagues. And, and- But I don't think Will was a catcher until – sophomore year no my year? freshman year i kind of switched but over. all your life you had played the infield yeah right? i mainly pitched and you know played short and third for my high so school you've team. always had a good arm obviously yeah i mean you yeah. gotta have a good arm to play shortstop third base you mm-hmm. gotta have good footwork you gotta have yep. good fundamentals you gotta be able to read the ball off of the bat yep. going behind the plate you have all of these advantages of a lot of people look at a catcher and think, oh, they don't have to have good footwork. Bullshit. They got to be f- oh, like, yeah, you free do. on their feet. My footwork quick. messes up, man. My throw, you know, it's sales. It sales in the outfield. Footwork is everything. It's the foundation <clears throat> yeah, of everything in batting under. and fielding, right? Yeah, you get, you get nothing on your throw either if you don't have good feet. So w- when you get this call <laughs> and your face is on ESPN and you're a first rounder, what does Pop say? I, I mean, don't know. I don't know what he said. Congrats, man. Like, were you just on cloud nine? Like, I'm trying to live through you. Give me something, Will. Like, I mean, I, I literally had a piece of paper. <laughs> Will, when I was a junior in college, I had a piece of paper. This is the God's honest truth on my freezer of a refrigerator with a magnet. Do you remember when they made refrigerators that you could put a magnet on? Right. And when we were kids, we, our refrigerators were full of magnets. And but now it's all like state of the art stainless steel. Nothing sticks to them. You got to use duct tape and that looks weird like redneckish so you don't do that but i had this piece of paper on my freezer it said i am one of the top 1279 i believe it was baseball players in the country eligible for the major league baseball draft yeah and i read that every day every time i would go in that freezer to get ben and jerry's or whatever i was eating on my awesome diet it was freaking (laughs) ingrained in my head i am going to get drafted 
Yeah. I'm that good. And then a cross checker named Wally Walker came to watch me from the Rockies. And he literally told me that you're not that good. <laughs> told me that. And I thought, man, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. They told me your arm, your arm strength isn't there. Um, your intelligence of the game is there, but your bat speed's not there. I mean, they broke it down to a point to where I was like, I should have never played baseball, but, <laughs> but I love the game so much. I literally would have done anything to become a professional baseball player within reason. I really cherish the lifestyle and the talent of a professional baseball player. And you got to give me something, man, because it's not every day that you get drafted in the first round. And then here it is, here it is three years later, three short years later, that's not very long. And you're the same way, Caleb, is that now you're in the big leagues hitting bombs for the Dodgers. And you just you were just the kid in the living room getting a having a party with Louisville Cardinals about getting drafted yeah. in the first round. That's amazing. You got to give me something. Yeah, man. no, I mean, like you said, you were exactly right. I always believed in myself, just like you had too. It just, you know, I felt like I was, you know, very blessed with my, you know, strong arm, you know, athletic, good feet work. Uh, you know. I think what really put it over the top was my work ethic. You know, I've been working just to play college ball through high school. You know, my, my goal wasn't, is always to play in the big leagues. But when I was in high school, it was, you know, I want to play in college. I want to play college baseball and then get an opportunity to, you know, get drafted. And I think deep down, I always really believed in myself that I would pay, play in the big leagues and that I would be successful in the big leagues. And I think that's kind of what drove me, you know, to have the success, success that I have and, drove my work ethic to, you know, just keep putting me in good spots to, you know, just keep succeeding in baseball. Yeah. And how, Will, how old were you when you started really playing baseball? Um, I don't know. I, you know, I played little league t-ball and I always, you know, loved baseball. Um, I always look forward to the spring. I always played other sports. Um, but when I, did it change for you and you really I started think, playing baseball? I think probably when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old, um, my 12 year old year was the last year of little league and, you know, I just destroyed the league, you know, the 20 game season or whatever it was like probably every single other major league baseball player in little league, you know, is just way better than a 12 year old. But the next year I went to a very small private school. It was kindergarten through 12th grade and I actually got to play varsity baseball in seventh grade when I was, you know, 13 years old. Wow. And you know, I started for him pretty much every game and it was, I was fortunate because we weren't very good and, you know, very small. And, but I think that's kind of when, you know, the light hit me that I'm hanging with some 18 year olds at 13. Like I've got a shot, you know, if I just keep working and keep sticking to it. Hanging with them as in you're able to catch an 18 year old pitcher from on the plate, or could you actually put the ball in play against an 18 year old yeah, arm coming was, from the bump? You were hitting the ball. Yeah, on the nails. I hit like 270 or something. My seventh grade wood, year, wood bat or aluminum metal bats, metal um, bat. you know, which is, which was decent for high school and Kentucky baseball isn't great. Um, but you know, for a 13 year old going against 18 year olds, I was, you know, I felt like I was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I got to pitch some games. I learned quickly. I remember facing a team, uh, in Danville, Kentucky, and I was actually tipping pitches. They knew what I was throwing every single pitch because I was, you know, young and basically showing them with my glove how. Or they I, were hitting the trash can. Oh, oh yeah, or the <laughs> trash can. But you know, how do you? Not the coach actually. The coach told my, you know, the coach told our high school coach what I was doing and how they got the tip. And after that, you know, I learned and you know made an adjustment. But I mean, they hit balls so far off of me that I didn't know what was going on. But I did have 
some good games pitching. I didn't pitch a whole lot that year, but I did have good games, you know, where you strike guys out against the lesser teams. Do you think that you would tell somebody right now that wants to be in your shoes, you know, coming up and they're at that position in their life of high school baseball is a big deal. You know, a lot of kids hang their hat on that. That's their life. That's as far as they're going to go. But a lot of them don't want that to be the case. And that's the thing about sports that the mental side of sports is everything. And it's the hardest part to understand. It's like, well, I can do that. I can hit the ball. I can throw the ball. There's a lot to be said about, well, how do you adapt to, you know, adversity? How do you go from being the stud at 13 to being an every other day player at 15 to sitting behind a senior when you're a junior on a varsity level team? Is it over for you just because you're not starting all 26 games of the high school season as a junior? Is it over for you? No, there's that, there's that, that the, mental approach of the game it starts so young that you have like everybody's like don't take the fun out of it you got to have fun of course you do but i think that these kids man when they're they got to be told when they're 13 14 15 years old that you got to start paying attention to the mental approach of this game if you're going to be where will and caleb are when you go into your you know your senior year 18 19 years old maybe have a chance to sign a college scholarship maybe have a chance to be drafted as a senior in high school or go to a junior college whatever the case might be talk to me a little bit both of you about that if you go up and you're on a podium right now or you're on a stage and you're talking to all these high school kids what do you tell them about the approach of the game? If you're not a starter, but you're good, you're just not as good as that coach's favorite. There might be some politics involved. There might be something that's not that's not 100% based on talent. That happens in sports all the time. What do you tell that kid, man? Look past it. What, what you know, keep your chin up. All of the stuff you hear on a daily basis in sports, that stuff's easy to say. You guys have been there, done that. You've signed major league contracts. You've been in the majors. What do you tell those kind of kids that are like right there thinking like, man, I want to go to the show. What do you tell them? So for me, going into my freshman year, I wasn't very good at baseball. I didn't think I had any future in baseball. Matter of fact, in eighth grade, we had so many kids go out for the baseball team that we had enough to do an A and a B team. And in eighth grade, I was on the B team. I wasn't good enough for the A team. So all I did was... I really, really enjoy proving people wrong that doubt me, and especially in sports, just because I'm just so competitive. But all I did was just keep working at it. I mean, I stayed positive, even though I'm on the B team and all my buddies and everybody else is on the A team, and here I am on this B team, right? But you just stay positive, you keep working at it. Every time you get a chance or you you get in at bat or you get to go pitch or go play center field, whatever whatever it is, you just got to do what you can do and can control what you can control when you're doing that. So there's no reason to get mad or give up or, or any of these things. It's when you get your chance, prove yourself. So stay positive, know you're better, know you're good enough to be there, be in the moment and, and just do what you do. I like that. Uh, do you, were you told this when you're, I wasn't no, but that's but like, you know, when I look back on it, because I've been asked that question before from people people from where I'm from is, is they remember, Hey, you were on the B team in eighth grade. And then you went into your freshman year and you were on the varsity. And team that's as exactly, a that's exactly where I'm going with this is that I get asked to talk to a lot of athletes or different groups of people on 
um, whether it's a business talk or whether it's an athletic talk or just really the approach of how to get to that next level. And John was a U.S. fighter. He fought at a very high level of talent. You guys are at the highest talent there is in your respected sport. That's all there is to it. You might get, you, you're an all-stars. You might make the all-star team once in a while. You might go in the Hall of Fame. I don't care about any of that. All I know is that you're major leaguers that are that are everyday players in the major leagues, and you're young. I just think that you guys have a lot of offering in that messaging. If a kid can know, if I'm a junior and I'm not playing every day because the coach has a favorite or it's the senior that deserves it or I'm the fourth outfielder that's getting to play once every three days or whatever – there's got to be a way to ingrain that kid to know, hey, man, all it takes is one scout seeing one little effort or one little talent to make, bring him back and then or him to tell the coach, hey, we want to see more of this kid or maybe whatever it is. What does he run the 60 in? What's his arm speed like? Can he get to the ball quick in the outfield? What's his transition like? Can he get the ball out of his glove into his throwing hand? What, does he hit the cutoff man? Does he throw through the cutoff man? Does he understand the outs? Does he know Does he got a good leadership on the field? You got to take all of that into consideration and tell that kid, look, man, you're right there. It's it's a weird thing to me to know that you can that you can be the stud on campus one day and never play again. And then you could be that junior that was playing one of every three days, like you said you were, Caleb, one time, and you're freaking in the major leagues. And that's a huge lesson in life that it's not over just because you think it is when you're a junior in high school. There's a lot of ball games left. There's a lot of baseball left to play. Don't let it run out quicker than you, you know, because you're mentally defeated by it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's absolutely. I work out with a guy in the offseason from, he's from Columbus, pitched at a Division three school. And I don't even know where the school was. I, I don't even think I can tell you the name of the school. I've never even heard of it. And signs a free agent deal with the St. Louis Cardinals out of a Division three school. And now he's in AAA and he's knocking on the door to the big leagues. From a Division three school and nobody told him he was good enough ever. They signed, never said you're, you're going to be good enough to pitch in professional signed baseball. Signed a free too. agent contract. Free agent contract. Now he's knocking on the door of the big leagues. It's, it's that relentless work ethic. Yep. I think that every athlete that has that or anybody, whether it's in business like me now, now that I'm not an athlete anymore and I'm now in the business world, same thing. I just have a relentless work ethic. I'm just not going to stop. And as long as my feet are moving forward, I know something's going to happen good for me. And, and that's, what, that's what my message would be to those younger kids. Like, as long as your feet are moving, and you're pushing forward, something good's going to happen for you. And it may not be what you think, but it may be better. But yeah, just so keep working. Will, specifically, with touching on what John and Caleb are saying, what do you tell a kid when you get down to the specifics? Like, here's some of the things to work on. Are you, tell me some little things that matter. Is it, if you're an outfielder, if you're a catcher, you got a lot of experience in the infield. Is it knowing the athletic position and what you're supposed to, the stance you're supposed to be and work on the little things, build off of all these little pieces of the puzzle until you start to see the big picture. What do you get down specifically to where you could really start to tell a kid work on these four or five things a day, instead of just trying to hit a bomb or situational hitting or whatever, give me some ideas of some specifics that you work on. Man. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, when I catch it's, I work on timing a lot. Right. And for me, I know my, what makes my timing click with the pitcher on the mound that, that instance, you know, I have little timing cues that I need to, you know, time up with him and kind of get on the same page, basically, you know, dance with the pitcher in a way. 
where my glove's in the right position when the ball hits it to, you know, have a better chance of being called a strike or a better chance that I block it and it stays right in front of me. And for me, that's the one thing that I work on a lot. I do a lot with my legs and settling into the ground, like slowly controlled at a certain time that puts me in the right position to move, be athletic and move. And the other would be going back to my footwork. It's, you know, throwing a baseball is when my feet work is right. My footwork is right. It's a good, strong throw on the bag every single time. And I know if I start kind of Aaron throws out or leaving them off to the right or up to the left, it all goes back to my footwork. It's are my feet under me? Are they quick? Am I, you know, pushing off the ground hard? Am I landing in the right spot and not swinging? And, you know, it's just going back and watching video and, and making sure my, my footwork is right. And then my arm just takes care of the rest. So you're talking like, how do you apply that to every day? It's, it's getting it outside right now. Y'all hear yeah, that? It really is. Does that remind you of a Garth Brooks song? The, the thunder, thunder rolls. Let's take it, Caleb. <laughs> God, we're old. These, these, I know that song. These freaking say, kids don't. Even, they don't even know who Garth Brooks is. Oh, no, I know who Garth. Do you Brooks remember is. when your mom and dad would be like, "Have you ever heard Elvis?" And you'd be like, "Who the heck is that?" These guys are saying that about Garth Brooks now. Come on, what the heck no, is no, going not on? At all. Did you guys just see Sign a Deal? He's gonna do. He's gonna open the new Raider Stadium in Vegas with a Garth Brooks concert. Really, it'll be sell out. Oh, it'll be, be so good. Awesome. So. Will, you got a kid in front of you, you got a class of kids in front of you that are juniors and seniors, varsity baseball level, maybe even junior varsity. What do you talk to them about nutrition at that age, discipline in their diet, discipline in the weight room, the fitness, the cardio, the partying, the girls, the first beer, the first bonfire? What do you tell somebody about that? Were you a regular kid that did all of that or were you on a different level of your mental approach and your mental platform? And I want you to answer this too, Caleb. Were you guys living everyday life as a kid and still partying and, and being a normal high schooler or were you like just down to the t like i got a journal and i'm sticking to this deal daily i had a regiment every day like a military style deal no i was i was not really the partier in high school um you know i would dd for or for kids sometimes and stuff like that just because you know i like driving their cars they were way nicer than mine um <laughs> but you know deep down i knew i had a good chance of playing college baseball my freshman sophomore year and then once i you know, earned a scholarship from the University of Louisville, I was, I was not going to throw that away. You know, I, it meant too much to me to lose baseball and it meant too much to my family to lose that scholarship money that for me, you know, to get in trouble, you know, drinking or whatever it was, I wasn't going to let that happen no matter, no matter what. And yeah, I sacrificed a little bit of fun, but you know, I'm having way more fun now in the big leagues, you know, having a really good time enjoying Enjoying the sacrifices I made then to enjoy life now is was well worth it for me. I guess let's be honest, kids don't know how to party anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a certain part of life to you know, some people are like high school's everything, you know, like you you, you hear that like oh, yeah. and it's important. I'm not Definitely saying that it's is. not of important four years, but mm -hmm. I always tell people, man, college is is important. But in the big scheme of things, then you got meeting a girl and engagement and marriage and kids and family and, and productivity and revenue and building a retirement. There's a lot bigger things in life than partying in high school. But again, it's part of it. And it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to hear though, you know, what kind of different people on both ends of the spectrum 
go on to become badass athletes and make a living playing a, a kid's game. And that's what you guys get to do, which is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Like the coolest thing in the world. And if you could tell those kids like, man, just stay disciplined, stay dedicated. Don't let something that's out of your control change the path that you're on, you know, just stay on that straight lines, so that straight and narrow and that, that straight and narrow, <laughs> straight and narrow. But I'm thinking of archery hunting. But if you think about all of the opportunities that you have as a 17, 18 year old kid that come about, there's, it's easy to make a mistake, let your guard down a little bit. And as an athlete, you got to start developing that skin and that, that discipline and that protection. Like, look, I'm on a mission here because I'm telling you, man, when you get to where I got in baseball and it's over, it's the worst feeling in the world. Now, I was thankful for the days I got to play and what I learned and the people I met through the game. And now look at me, like I might, I was like, man, I, I wasn't good enough to play. Okay, well, I'm gonna apply what John's talking about, those skills of tenacity and work ethic and ethics and everything and clean cut and manners and opening door for people and, and knowing the right thing to do. And now I'm sitting with major leaguers, talking about major leaguers that are wearing the foul life hats, we're getting ready to have dinner with the first ballot hall of famer. That was my hero growing up. And I think it's all relative of like, man, look at it. If you stay the course, if you really want something, you can get there. I'm in the big leagues. Look at me. I'm hanging out with big leaguers. I'm going to big league camps. I'm getting to go to dinner with George Brett. I'm not saying that in an arrogant way or a name dropping way. I'm simply proving a point that I was not good enough to play even at the rookie ball level, even though I thought I was. I was told you're not good enough. Go play independent ball or you might want to join a city league softball team, which I did. And I hit a lot of bombs, <laughs> like big bombs, big bombs. Will, Will, big bombs. Will, big bombs. And I'm talking like clutch bombs, Will. Uh -huh. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't give up on things and things come full circle if you stay the course and you have that vision. And I look at people, I look at kids now and it's, you got so much that goes into where you guys have been and you think about the coaches growing up and what the volunteers and what they did to get you where you got and what they dealt with you know every kid's parents think they're a major leaguer you know and you're in, in youth sports and they're always thinking that their kid's the best and they deserve more and they're always bitching if they're not getting enough playing time or they're not happy one way or the other or they're arrogant as heck because their kids lighting the world on fire i just think that 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 there needs to be more to it to a kid that has an opportunity to play sports of if it doesn't make it, there's still going to be a lot of chances out there, but to do it, to get there, there's got to be this certain level of discipline that comes along with it. And I don't, I love the idea that you can be a bench warmer as a junior and get drafted as a senior or get a D one contract. Yeah. That's a big deal in sports, man. That's a big deal. A big lesson to learn that it's not over until the fat lady sings, John. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> so I want to, I want to move on to being a major leaguer because it's so fascinating to me. Take me through the travel day. Both of you. I want to know you, what do you do? Do you get an itinerary? You got to be at the airport. You got a so, charter jet. Okay. So, yeah, you get itineraries and and you get one for every trip. Really depends on the on the trip, I guess. So whatever, it's it's you know, you you play a three-game series and let's say you have an off day, wherever that off day is, doesn't doesn't really matter, but you'll stay an extra night in that city and you'll travel on your off day. So you'll you know, they'll have a bus, take you right to the plane. You know, you get on the plane, fly back to L.A., and then it's over with. But when it gets kind of tricky is is 
the days that you'll finish a Sunday day game, fly all night somewhere, and then play a game that next day at seven. Doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's exhausting. But to be honest with you, you get your own plane. So you just everybody just gets on, goes to sleep, or you play cards. And that's pretty much it. And it's 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 pretty much lavish i mean you guys yeah are, you don't have security you don't you don't deal with your bags you don't it's like do having a private kind of jet you got yeah, a private it jet it's, it's, yeah it's a it's private a jet really big private jet for 80 people this is good real good 747 to milwaukee no sir that ain't your plane this is your plane <laughs> yep. pulling up yeah. shit you think <laughs> yeah there's no you know sit down buckle your seatbelt you can stand yeah, when they're taking off there's yeah Kind of be doing whatever. So how does that make you guys feel like, you got to be kidding me, this is really happening? I mean, I grew so up... So my in- first... <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this, but my first flight in the big leagues, I got in, got a window seat, and put my seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was looking around, and everybody was standing up. People were laying down on the roads, and I thought, what the hell am I doing with my seatbelt on? Do they still on? have flight attendants to serve meals yeah. and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, so there's four... I think there's four flight attendants every flight. And normally uh, normally you get a little Chick-fil-A cater. Do your wives get to fly on this jet too to go with your fiancés or your girlfriends? Yeah, they get to come. Yeah. You know, if we're in San Francisco, they can fly back from San Francisco to L.A. with us. They're allowed to fly from any city back to L.A., but they're not allowed to fly from L.A. to a city. So you have to get them a commercial flight to get there. They yeah. can yep, fly exactly. back chartered with you guys. Yeah, and we do. There are a couple of family trips. Uh, I know we have a couple this year where they'll be able to leave LA and go to, you know, Miami and then to Atlanta and then back with us and get all those flights. Um, so those are real nice, but and that's, you know, wives, kids, um, kind of everyone, the whole family is invited. So now you land in the city, let's say you land in Pittsburgh, you get picked up by what? Is it a bus? Buses. Is it, yeah. There's bus? usually, you know, three or four buses, coaches go on one, players go on one, uh, media on one. Um, and if family's there, you know, family's got one or two extra buses and yeah, they take you, you know, right to the hotel and it's usually the key cards are passed out at the hotel or yeah, on they the have bus. them in envelopes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like it would be on like a table like this. You walk into the lobby and find your, your envelope with your name, name on it, your key cards in there. You're not, no one's, you know, there's not a big line to check in. It's, yeah, no. so you're it's under all a, ready so to you're go under a, a, a alias. Yeah, I'm not, I, uh, my my name is, is so, just so Kershaw would be like Clark Kent. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you see, you see a lot of like, yeah, a lot of movie Ricky Bobby's or, and yeah, it's there's some <laughs> whatever it wants to be. So does it happen often to where you pull up at the hotel and there's a line waiting or uh, anybody waiting to meet you? Do they know the visiting team's coming in? Is there anywhere in America that wants, there's a lot of Dodgers fans across this country. Yeah, where, where's the biggest city for that? Or the most besides LA, obviously, but where Milwaukee? do you go? Milwaukee. Really? Milwaukee's bad. Miller Park's I thought awesome. New York was pretty bad last year too. And they so, were lined yeah. up outside of the lobby, like in between the bus and the lobby, that little, you know, the sidewalk, there'd be 20 to 30 people there every day. Depends on the hotel, though, too, because some some hotels monitor it and some don't. So what do they have, like a folder full of baseball cards? Yeah. And they're, yep. like, picking one out and, like, getting Will and then getting yeah. Well, they just come at you, like, with this whole binder. Like, here, sign all these cards. Yeah. And, and no, like, no, no one's going to sign at the hotel. I'm not signing any of these. I'm at my hotel. This yeah, is my house. Yeah, stick around like one guy's like, going get to. Out of no here. one's going <laughs> to sign there. We'll sign at the stadium, you know, wherever, but not – I mean, that's our home on the road. What does that make you feel like, Will? What does that make you feel like that you're actually signing? You were that kid at one time wanting to get an autograph, mm-hmm. and now you have 
kids and fanatic adults that yeah that, it's that are getting your autograph how does it make you feel is it is it humbling or is it just another day at the office you know it's when you really think about it it's an honor um and it's humbling and i try to believe it is as much as it can but yeah every it gets to be a lot it gets annoying sometimes you know you're frustrated because you're not playing well and you're just getting hounded by these guys that are wanting autographs but same time there's you know 20 kids over there that want an autograph too that are eight years old and could care less how i'm doing on the field they just want an autograph and it makes their day so i mean i'm always trying to seek kids out and get signed for them as much as i can but i mean it's it's cool because you're in it's a good thing to want people to have your autograph that means you're doing well and that means you know people like you and support you and want to see you do well heck yeah it's it's to me it's you see it being done on the field and you see you guys run over to the, the little fence there by the dugout and you're signing autographs. And I think it's one of those things to where it is an honor and it can be taken away in the blink of an eye and it's not to be taken for granted. But again, it's like you, you to live in those shoes to where you almost feel like you have to do it. You don't want to get to that point. And if you don't do it, is karma going to get you? Because yeah, at one time yeah. you were that kid wanting an autograph and you heard stories about, you know, several different athletes. We're not going to name any names, but, you know, that wouldn't do it or big league people when they asked or like, you know, you just got to understand like, you know, just because you become a professional athlete or celebrity, does that give somebody the right to come up in a restaurant and, and, and interrupt your dinner to get a picture and, and not do it the right way? There is a certain way to do it, right? There's a certain Absolutely. respect level yeah. and there's a cer- what's the word I'm looking for that when there's a certain way to do something tact, not tact, but there's a, oh man, my vocabulary sucks. And I got a college <laughs> a little, degree, a little, a little feel this freaking coronavirus is messing up my brain. <laughs> knock, know, knock on wood, knock on wood. Yeah. What is tact? Not tact. Uh, there's just a certain way to do something. You know, there's a certain way to to um but there's a certain protocol to it of how to get an autograph yeah. of how to be a good fan a respectful fan and and you just don't i was doing a signing this is a true story um george lives in kansas city and he's pretty much jesus walking on water in kansas city he played his whole career there yep um whatever george brett did in baseball is outstanding but he did a signing for me at cabela's in kansas city which was their number one waterfowl store at the time and Luke Hoshaver, who was a pitcher for the Royals at the time before he got injured and had that last surgery, did the signing with us. And they gave out tickets, 250 at a time, to stand in line. And then the other people would get a, a warning call over the intercom, like the next number of tickets allotted, get in line. But Brett's only signing for two hours. Mm-hmm. It, it, dude, it was um, unreal. Yeah. Wrapped around the Cabela's, it looked like Garth Brooks concert line and get tickets. It, and... The same guy came through the line twice. He cut. He got in line twice. And George recognized him and lit into him. And I was sitting there going, like, he's like, what are you going to do? Like, you sell That's this? the absolute worst. Where you sign for the you, same guy 15 times. Because they're selling this stuff. You no, know, like they're, they're two selling. is enough. Mm-hmm. You know? And George called him out and freaking the Cabela's employees came over there and removed the dude from the line. <laughs> and I was just, and it was unbelievable. I'm talking like baseball cards to, to, to cleats to the the number one thing that I saw signed was this they had these pictures of Bo and George together and then Sports Illustrated covers and just things just nonstop memorabilia because he doesn't do many in that area and I looked at George and I go what a feeling huh and he goes get me out of here just get me out not that he doesn't respect the fans I but man it's, it's most 
it, it was like tiresome for him. It's yeah. tiresome for him because he's just a normal dude from SoCal that was good with a stick. He's not, nobody's cut out for that. Nobody is cut out to sit there and sign autograph after autograph after autograph. And nobody understands that. That's not part of the gig. Yes. It's assumed that coming with celebrity, you're going to sign autographs. Nobody agrees to it in the contract. And I mean, I know you sign deals to go to a Verizon store and sign a, a ball for an hour or whatever's in line. And that gets you a little bit of an appearance, but nobody's cut out for that. It's weird feeling like, really, you want my autograph? That's I'm just a baseball player. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I didn't save anybody. I didn't fight for our freedoms and our rights over in Afghanistan. I just, I'm just playing baseball. Nobody's cut out to sign autographs for that long or to stand there and think that you have to do it. It's just a weird concept to me. And I, I love it that I have these signed balls from you guys. I cherish them. I really respect them. I put them up in our studio. John knows it. Like I really love the fact that I get to be friends with you guys and talk to you, but living in your shoes and having everybody come to Dodger stadium and, and expect it. It's just a weird feeling, man. Like, man, I don't think you really need my autograph. What are you really going to do with it? You're just going to, it's just kind of a weird That's deal. That's why it's, it's always easier to sign for kids. Cause there's no way kids are going to put that on eBay. They don't know what eBay is. Right. Right. But like you find this 45 year old guy that you've signed for 15 times, you get a pretty good idea of what he's doing. Why has he got to be 45? Because most of them are typically older. Is he talking about us, John? I think so. I think so. <laughs> Is he talking? They're about typically <laughs> older when they're selling them. Does he not see what I'm, does he not see what I'm holding in my hand? Kids, kids are just so pure about it. You know, they don't want it for any other reason. But yeah, they just to feel just, good, and it just, just makes make them happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, there's absolutely. a pureness to it that. Yeah. Now, what you got to keep in mind, if you're talking about what we talked about a few minutes ago about, you know, what would Will and Caleb say to those kids when they're go getting ready to play ball a junior or senior? Wouldn't it be cool to tell them eight year old kids? Now, here's what you do with this ball and this baseball card. Go put it in a holder and keep it in a shoebox under your bed. And then in 20 years, pull it out. And everybody's going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Don't you wish you had a lot of the shit that you had when you were a kid? That My point is, is those kids probably are never going to save that autograph. They're going to hold on to it and it'll probably be gone by Sunday. And if you just had a, a notion of like what to keep and 20 years later, you yeah. pull out this box. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine the memorabilia? You'd have one of those American Pickers TV shows, man. You'd have a whole just suitcase full of cool shit if you could tell them. So you're in a you're in a city. You get you you get a good night's sleep. First game of the three game series. You're in Atlanta. You're going to Turner Field. Is it called Turner Field? The new one? What's the new one called? Oh, I don't remember. They uh, tear Turner Field down. They got a new stadium. I don't know what it's called. SunTrust. Nice. SunTrust Park. That's it. SunTrust. You're headed to SunTrust Park. By the way, beautiful. If you haven't been beautiful. Yeah. What what happens? You're getting off the bus. Is there secure? You get dropped off in a tunnel. I assume. I think we're underneath at that one actually. Yeah, that one under, we're we're in the back, so fans aren't right there. Um, but you know, usually there's a bus at what two one thirty two, and then a yeah. two thirty bus. There's usually two buses going to field, but a lot of guys like me, I go to early. I take an Uber early to the field, especially on that first game of the series. I got a lot of more like scouting work to do and stuff. But yeah, I'll Uber there. Pictures go later. We don't have anything Especially to do. relievers are there <laughs> three o'clock. Yeah. Must be nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, you know, you get there and I'm usually on the computer the first hour or so, hour and a half. Um, and then after that, you know, you eat lunch, you, you know, you go in the weight room, kind of do some soft tissue work, stretch out, get your body loose, maybe hit the cage a little bit. And by then, you know, it's four thirty, five o'clock. You're ready for, for batting practice. And you're getting paid to do all that. 
I, mean, I think technically it's just the game. <laughs> Soft tissue work. Right. New York State cooked for me. A little yep. massage here. Might dip my toes in the hot tub for uh, a second. Oh, I'm a hot Food's tub good guy in the big leagues, too. Oh, food is great. It's, well, you deserve it after you spend all those days on the bus in AAA and going to Reno and you're eating at the Circus Circus Buffet and shit, trying to save yep. money. And So you, you let's, let's get a little technical on this. Let's say it's not SunTrust. Let's say we're in D.C. Caleb's on the bump. Let's say that we're in Philadelphia, because I forgot that Harper signed that deal with Philadelphia. Let's say Bryce is at the dish, lefty, reputation, hothead, stud, good bat speed, can lose the ball at any time. You're behind the dish. He's on the bump, lefty on lefty. Give me the pitch without giving a lot away. What do you go with on a guy like Bryce Harper? You don't, obviously, we all know you don't want to leave it out over the plate, but how do you approach this at-bat with Caleb on the bump? Um, are you brushing him back? Are you not afraid of him? Is there a certain respect level in the big leagues that you don't brush a, a team player, no, a team captain no like that way. back? No get way. Get him out. No, no way. way. Okay, so give it to me, Will. Will first, and then I want the hothead Caleb here to come on and say, <laughs> I don't care who's in the box. I'm brushing him back. I'm breaking yeah. one off. It is, no, how yeah, do you approach it's, it? Main goal with a guy like that, you're trying to expand the plate. You know? You're trying to give yourself some room to work, whether that's pushing him back or you know, throwing a slider, curveball outside, barely off the plate, seeing if he'll chase, chase a bad pitch. or you know, You're expanding the strike zone, trying to you know, get him to chase, get weak contact. Um, but at the same time, you're not, you're not afraid of him. You're not afraid to throw a strike to him. See if he'll hit it. You know, you give him your best fastball, see if he'll foul it off, go on one. Um, you know, the, there's certain chances you take and that's what all the scouting reports do and all the research I do on the computer. I know where we need to throw a fastball. that gives us the best chance for him not to hit it hard to avoid damage. And, you know, it's just looking at all those numbers and then coming up with a game plan and then ultimately executing it. And, you're you said something about you don't you're not afraid of him because of who he is he's just another baseball player he can do damage yeah, he still time. gets out you know 70 75 percent of the time which is unbelievable we talked about bonds yesterday and the intentional walks and the walks and getting one pitch pretty much to hit in a night and he'd lose yeah. it into the water mccovey cove are you talk to me about the the stress or the approach between the pitching coach is the pitching coach in the dugout or in the bullpen He's both. in the dugout. He we goes back a, and forth. Yeah, you got two, we have a pitching coach and we have a bullpen. Yeah. So you got the coach. pitching coach in there at the manager. Are you at this stage in your career calling the game? Yes. You're calling the game. What happens when somebody loses one or somebody hits it on the nuts out into the right center gap and it's a two-run double, whatever it is, what happens when you get to the dugout after the third out's made or the coach calls a conference and runs out to the bump and you meet him out there in the circle on the mound and the catcher, first, the whole infield pretty much comes in a lot of times. What is it like? Do they say, what the, well, what, what Sometimes. kind of, what, how, <laughs> give me some examples. I mean, does it get pretty heated? Like, what were you thinking? No, it's never heated. Um, yeah. You know, there are times where they question you and but as long as I have a reason, they're not going to be mad at me. They can be like, well, that was definitely the wrong decision. I'll, you know, I'll admit it. Yeah, we, we messed up there. We shouldn't have thrown that pitch. We should have gone to this, you know. But usually if there's a reason, they're not going to be mad at someone because they gave up a home run. That's, you know, that's baseball. That's part of baseball. You know, you're challenging a guy. Or maybe the situation where up six runs, you know, to Bryce Harper. And, yeah, you're going to go right at him, you know. You're not going to pitch around him when you're up six to one in a game in the seventh inning. You're going to get him out as soon as you can. So it's just kind of weighing all those things. And 
you know, being able to have a conversation with the pitching coach and say, this is what we were doing. Either A, we didn't execute it or we did. It was just the wrong pitch. And But it's, it's just really having a reason why we did this, why we pitched, made that pitch and it, it failed. So what are you what are you doing as the pitcher at this time? With this conference going on, you just gave up a jack. Are you saying, hey, the next batter, we got to come back and get out. You got to get your mind in this right now. Talk to me about what's going on in the pitcher's head, Caleb, of what are the coaches saying? What's Will saying to you? Like, hey, dipshit, what are you doing? You left that one up in the zone. How does that converse? <laughs> is it joking around like the Bull Durham so, movie and stuff? Or You know, I don't. There's not a lot of joking around that goes on, especially when you're on a team like the Dodgers because of how good you are and you're expected to win pretty much every night. Um, but, no, it, it, there's never any joking. It's more of, hey, man, like you made your pitch and he beat you kind of thing. It's, it's almost like, yeah, you just gave up a homer, but I got to find a way to encourage you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you give up that homer and he's coming out to the mound. Your pitching coach is coming out to the mound and they're finding ways to encourage you to get the next guy out. And they're, they're, you're not talking about just giving up that homer. You're talking about this is what we're going to do with the next guy. So baseball is obviously a short memory and every baseball player will tell you that. So they're definitely not coming out and talking about that homer that you just gave up. It's, it's always next pitch next you know it's 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 always the next whatever it is it's never what just happened so it it, whoever it is whether it's it's Bryce Harper whether it's it's Charlie Blackman or, or any of these crazy good Mike Trout crazy good hitters in baseball it's that, that, that's just good advice to how to live your yeah. life. You yeah. Know, we should all live our yeah. life that right. way. You know because we're all going to make mistakes having yeah, that short memory serves you well man that's yep. that's that's how we should all live. I agree. But there also is a certain aspect that some things are harder to get over than other things. And getting a ball hit 450 feet off of you when the game's riding on it is not easy to get yeah, over. It, I mean, it sucks. It, it and sucks. And the best players in the world are the ones that can get back in there and, and throw the best pitch of their life on the very next one and make a great pitch and get the guy out or get a ground ball for a double play or you throw a guy out from your knees, whatever it is. I just I often wonder, like, how do you get to the point to where you can adjust and you can make, you can come back from something like that? Because the, the game is mental, man. This game is so mental. It will destroy you in a heartbeat to, to, to fail like that. And, to, and, to, and, and how do you get back on top? And that's one of the splendid things about the game of baseball is that you don't have to wait a week. Like we talked about yesterday, you got to yeah, wait one pitch of, sometime yeah, yeah. or yeah, the next have, day, whatever. You have to learn how to fail. And you know that you learn real quick in baseball how to fail because you know, as you're a hitter, you're out 75% of the time, 70% of the time. And then you're a great hitter. You know, pitchers giving up home runs. Like, it's part of the game, and it's part of what makes us good is, you know, you can bounce back from that, and you you have to. Yeah, and I think I when you start thinking about bouncing back in the game of baseball, three out of ten times you're considered a stud in offense. As a pitcher, your ERAs, there's a lot of things that go into pitching and your win-loss column, your, you know, what your ERA is, how many home runs do you give up? How many extra base hits do you give up? What, you know, how many ground balls do you allow? How many double plays do you get the team into things like that? There's a lot of stats that go into baseball 
I just love the fact that you guys can can go, you know, go into that that meeting on the mound and come up with a game plan to get the next guy out or, you know, what kind of pitch do we need to throw to Harper? And as a, as a pitcher, I'm always thinking like, man, you can't be timid at all. No, you never. got you have to go in there with the idea of like, let's relate it to Jordan again. You know, the game's on the line. He was never afraid to get the ball right when it came down to the wire. When you're a hunter. You know, what happens when that shot presents itself? You're a whitetail hunter in the tree stand. It's freezing cold. You're freaking up there shaking. And then all of a sudden that ghost of the woods, they call a whitetail buck deer munching on clover, pops his big ass ears out of the hole. And he comes in there walking around like the big goofy thing that he is. And the rednecks up and stand Will Smith, they call him. And he's just like, oh God, oh God, I got buck fever. I got buck fever. And you're shaking and you got, you're lucky you're strapped into the tree. But when that opportunity presents itself, it's go time. And people don't understand that even in hunting, you're going to screw up and it's, it, you're going to make a bad shot. You're going to shoot him low. You're going to shoot him back. He might spine him. You're going to have a blood trail. You might miss him completely high or low. Anything in life, you got to swing for the fences sometimes. Even in baseball, you're not taught that. But what I'm saying is that even when that opportunity presents itself in a deer hunt, a basketball shot, a business opportunity, a negotiation like the email that John got yesterday on his phone telling him that he was awarded a contract and he started pumping his fists and the bartender's like, holy shit, look how big his biceps are. <laughs> Like the there whole, there's the, there's the, the whole joke. The whole bar, the whole, the whole bar song from across the way. And I was like, and he was excited. But in life, you think about that, like in baseball, it's never more evident of picking yourself up off the floor and going like, dude, I got to throw the pitch in my life right now. Yeah. I got to, I got to get this guy out. I got to hit the ball in the nails. I got a situation here. I got think about this situation in baseball. We'll talk on this sacrifice bunting. Is it ever become second nature? Or is it always as stressful as baseball makes it out to be of like when you get called on to move a guy over and you got to square up, you're just like, oh, shit. it's like it's, it's yeah. with that bow, huh? You're stressed as shit. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Talk to me a little bit about bunting, Will. I don't know. We don't do it much, but luckily uh, I did it a lot in college. And, you know, it's it's getting the reps in practice. We would bunt every day before practice in college. And, you know, that made you confident in the game that I've, you know, I've done all the work to be successful on this bunt right here right now and then it's just trusting your instincts trusting practice going back to what you do when you're working on it and so i think it comes with reputation bunting really and being comfortable you know squaring around early seeing the ball and just getting it on the ground and getting your job done and it, on the bigger picture caleb that little thing they call a sacrifice bunt the ball literally goes a few feet. You're probably going to get thrown out by the first or second, first baseman or third baseman at first, whether they're on a bunt defense or what. It's very important. Those little pieces of this game are the most important parts of the game. You know, putting that together, station to station baseball. A lot of people always think it's about the long ball. And it, that's exciting. That puts asses in the seats and sells jerseys. But station to station baseball is very important. Caleb, talk to me a little bit about that as a team of the respect that comes when you see a guy like Will or a Kershaw or how they look at you. The guys that are willing to do those little things that aren't really worried about the notoriety but they want that W they want that team to get that ring. And that's everything. Is that become more and more evident? Is it, is yes. it, is it assumed that everybody on the team is like that 
or is there are, are you know do you have is it a certain special amount of players that have that ability to you know or have that that part of the game you know they're all about the team they're all about the win and doing the little things is yeah, everybody I think have that's, it i think that's what makes the dodgers the dodgers i mean our clubhouse and our our like team is i mean it's like everybody's playing for the same thing um and and if you go back and you watch dodger games and you watch them religiously like and you understand baseball our pitching staff our starting five pitchers were the best bunning pitchers in baseball so if the eight hole got on they were bunning he they successfully got it down more times than they didn't and when our lead up guy got on we that guy that eight hole scored and then you get to face the top of our lineup which isn't fun I'll tell you, I'm a pitcher and I don't ever want to have to worry about facing our lineup. So bunning as hard as it is, is like a really big part in baseball. So to be able to have a team that buys into, yeah, let's play small ball, but let's also be able to hit the long ball. When you do both of those together, you're going to be pretty successful. Who is it on the Dodgers that makes this known? Like, is there a certain player do you have to have a certain amount of number of years or seasons under your belt to be the guy that calls everybody in and says, look, I don't care if they're beating on a garbage can over here. I don't care what the fans are saying. I don't care what the media is saying. This is what we got to do tonight. Does that happen in Major League Baseball with the raw, raw, let's get you fired up? Or is it's it normally just, your veteran guys. But that are, try are, to do, set, they still, like, do they still set that up? Do they talk to you and have those little team pep talks? I, I just don't think see it happening much because in baseball it's a business and everybody knows what they're there to do. They don't have them like we don't have talks like that very often, but it's almost now like where they've been working to get it this way for so long that it's just expected. It's a culture. Yeah, like it is. It's a culture. That's a good way to put it. And and you get called up for the first time, you're expected to know how to act like a big league baseball player. And and I think the the older guys, the veterans on the teams, like. Clayton Kershaw and Justin Turner and even David Freeze is only there for two years. But when he was there, it's you watch how those guys go about everything. And that's how almost everybody goes about everything. So those guys have just worked for so long to get it that way. And now that it's there, it's almost like you're expected to, to know how to do these things. Creating a culture in an organization is the best thing you can do because when people come in to, when they come into the organization, they can either adapt and become part of that culture or they automatically just stick out like a sore thumb and you know, you got to get rid of them. Right. So it's, you create a culture and, and that's the best thing you can do. Who are you talking about Puig? <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. Lord, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on a Dodgers podcast? Will Tommy Lasorda be bad if I said that? <laughs> I don't know that Tommy's listening to any podcast. Just the history of that stadium, the history of Chavez Ravine, the history of the Dodgers. I mean, way back before 88 when Gibson pumped his fist in the in the in the game off of Dennis Eckersley and just the emotions that night in that stadium, the that the logo, the NWA rap band, and when they, you know, the rap group NWA would wear the blue hat with the LA on it. And it's like notorious with rappers it's in hollywood it's with actors and actresses and and johnny depp and guns and roses coming out on stage with axel wearing a dodgers hat and it's like i don't know if it's the yankees or the dodgers but it's got to be one of the most recognizable it's probably the second 
I mean, is there anything else in baseball besides those two, the most recognizable teams or, or franchises? I mean, I know they're all important. Don't get me wrong. I know the Mets have theirs. And My only and, guess would be the Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, and I don't even no, think. But I don't even they, like they got Lakers great. They got the or, best fans in baseball, in my opinion. I think they're the most educated baseball fans. Are we in talking baseball. in baseball or in sports? Well, isn't there only one sport? <laughs> I, I thought we already made sure. That, I thought we already made that decision. No, but what are you talking about? I, I, I'm talking about in baseball, Bush Stadium and their fans and the whole aura of that little section of downtown St. Louis, which is not a very nice downtown in my opinion, but that area. And their fans, I really feel, and Kansas City has some really educated baseball fans too. They're there to watch a team and know baseball. You know, they've had a pretty good run in the in 14, 15. But I don't know. I just think as a whole, from my travels, I just see a lot of intelligence in the baseball fans of St. Louis. Milwaukee's fans Milwaukee. are drunk. crazy. Oh, they're drunk before the game. <laughs> I know. They're and cr- they're there before the game i mean the the seats are full before first pitch. there's more bars in milwaukee per capita than any other city in the world i believe it and you know it's the home of miller light it's the home of this i mean this the stadium's called miller park right uh great yard great atmosphere i mean could you imagine who gives a shit nobody's listening anyway bob Uecker up there in the stands and harry doyle and god i can't i'm t- again we're talking to kids that probably have never seen major league the movie that came out and i think 88 or 89 you were you even oh, born no we've seen it though were you born in 95 95 i had to kick his ass i was, I was I already graduated from high school when I were you born? born in 96 you were two years out of high school <laughs> when was i born 96 you were born yeah so i was born in 86 so 10 years before that <laughs> i think i think that you know that I, i'd say milwaukee's i don't know if they're as educated as st louis i'm telling you man st louis is legit oh, no, yeah, legit their, baseball their audience are... a legit baseball audience yeah um so you get to the park you're on the computer you're warming up you're in the weight room what's protocol now everybody meets on the third baseline at a certain time for calisthenics and warm-up toss is there infield outfield like there is in college where no. you get to go in there and hit the cutoff man is it fungo and taking fly balls in the outfield before the game what do you, you don't get to see the ball at all except in bp i mean infielders will take ground balls during bp days. right uh they'll do like you know five seven minutes worth of ground balls uh with like two fungos right before bp starts and yeah some guys will take ground balls during bp outfielders obviously will you know get reads in the outfield take fly balls um but yeah pretty much is all all the on-field stuff like that is done during bp for the most part and what are you getting out of bp will what are you going in there what's your mission um where do you hit in the lineup last year anywhere from three to eight three hole hitter at 20 and and you're how old right now you're 25 25 24 so 23 years old last year well, are you 24 or 25 24 right now <laughs> okay you're 24 yeah and you're 20 what three damn i'd introduce your daughter to one of these guys in, in a hurry, <laughs> except I, they're both I, taken I, I respect them both but they could not keep up with my daughter oh yes they could <laughs> um <laughs> What do you go in there to do? It's not a, a chest pumping deal. Are you working on something? You've yeah, taken BP every day for the last 20 days, right? Going into this night. You know who's pitching. You know yeah. what you're getting ready to see. Mm-hmm. What are you working on in BP? Just timing. You know, timing up the BP thrower's arm. Um, you know, just fine-tuning 
my little moves, my little timing moves. Um, you know, just trying to see the ball fly, see backspin, um, see balls driven hard in the gaps, and you know, just kind of raise your raise your confidence a little bit before going in the game. And what do you get out of a bullpen? What do you what is a pitcher doing when he's in the bullpen or he's warming up before the game? What are you doing when you know you're getting ready to get, take the mound? I mean, I think every guy's different. Like for me, I look at like the sharpness of my pitches. So so I like to see the shape of my curveball. I like to see the see what my slider's doing that day. How how's my fastball going to play today? I mean, every it, it's literally your arm feels different every single day. So your stuff's going to be a little different every single day. Like you're never going to go out there with the same exact stuff every single day. So for me, like warming up, I, I like to see where that kind of stuff's at. What, what are going to be my best two options that I can take out there for that day? And then other than that, just throwing it as hard as I can. So I'm ready to go whenever I get out there. So you you heard him say a few minutes ago that he wouldn't want to face your guys' offensive lineup. What do you see in him as a pitcher, as a uh, the gen, his mound generalship? What do you see as the catcher of what his specialties are, his strengths? If you could pick a weakness, is there one? Is it the way that he dresses? Is it the way that he shaves his beard? I mean, what do you what do you see as his weakness, his strengths? What kind of pitcher is Caleb? Yeah, I mean his strengths are. It's a really good fastball from the left side. You know, it's 95, 96 with good spin on it, good rise. Um, you know, he throws at the top of the zone. It's a really hard pitch for hitters to barrel up. And then off of that, he's got a big curveball that at times isn't – last year wasn't as good as I've seen it, but this year it's been pretty good, and you've seen it in spring games how well he's pitched. It's, you know, it's a sharp breaking ball that has a lot of depth to it. So you've got, you know – a fastball and a curveball coming off two, two of the same visuals for the hitter, and one's kind of riding up on him, one's just falling out of the sky, basically. And then this year, he's actually working on a slider cutter thing that I think is going to help him a lot, and it's going to be an effective pitch because it adds to his mix. And you know, if one day his curveball is not there, we can go to the slider as an off pitch. What's his mental side like? Is he a competitor? Does it, oh, do, yeah, you, do you ever worry he's about him? Sweating up there, he's red. I mean, he's kind of worry if he's going to die sometimes how red and sweaty he is but that's true but you know he's giving it his all he's going right at the guys he's not scared of anyone and yeah he's just going to attack the zone give me off the top of your head right now in the major leagues what's your worst memory of a pitch you threw that just got lasered or something that you're just like you've got to be kidding me that that, that so guy I don't even remember the guy's name but it was the backup to Posey in 18 Posey's backup, whatever his name was, I threw a changeup that I don't throw anymore, and the ball still hasn't landed at Dodger Stadium. He just hit it a mile. <laughs> I shook six times to get to the pitch. My catcher starts shaking his head as I'm throwing the pitch, and the ball hasn't landed. <laughs> <laughs> if it does, it's going to land right in Don Johnson's swimming pool. Right it was a bomb. A big bomb. <laughs> oh, yeah. And what do you – you just shake your I head. just – yeah. You I had just, to have gotten your ass ripped for shaking that off that many times, right? Did the coach uh, light you up? The coach didn't light me up, but – the catcher, once we get back into the dugout, he's like, never shake me six times again or that's going to happen. <laughs> would you have said the same thing, Will? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I actually probably would have called time and like, you don't even throw a changeup. Why, yeah. why are we throwing was, one right here? It was dumb. So who did you guys play last year in the playoffs? How did your playoff run go last year before I go back into this visiting stance? Let's go into the yeah, playoffs Nationals. last year. 
you're in the nationals with the NLCS. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up being world series champions. NLDS, right? And yeah, the D- oh yeah, you guys DS. lost in the first, first round. Yeah, first round. You guys have got to get your shit together in these playoff <laughs> games, dude. I mean, come on, we need some freaking. We need a, a, another World Series on the West Coast here. Yep. It used to be the Giants in 10, 12, 14. Has there been one since then? In the they West, they would have had one in seventeen. Huh? They would have had one in seventeen. With the trash cans. <laughs> Think about it. Remember the trash cans? I mean, cans? go yeah, look yeah. at numbers. Numbers don't lie. That is true, huh? So what is the outlook like? Is there a is there a stigma that starts to take place when you hear all the time Dodgers can't do it? The Dodgers can get there, but they can't finish it. You guys are the you guys are the team. You guys are the the backbone, the blood of this team right now. You're the future of the Los Angeles Dodgers. What's the clubhouse like going into spring training this year before all this stuff went down with Corona virus? I don't want to say just Corona because I don't want people thinking they can't sip on a Corona beer at the <laughs> pool tomorrow, but what's, which I heard sales are way down. Have you heard this? Have no. you guys heard this at all? I heard no. it. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Read up on it. It's unreal. It. People. It's think, just the mental stigma. That's yeah. yeah. That's funny. So how, how does it happen when you get into spring this year, when you know that stigma is there, or is it just another season let's do our job and 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 take take care of this or how does a team that's worth this much money that has this big a payroll that has this many celebrity athletes on it that plays in the number one or number two biggest market in the major league baseball company what is the atmosphere like going into spring training when you lost in the first round when you guys have the talent that you yeah, do? I don't, I don't think there's one guy in there that thinks there's a little stigma with you know the los angeles dodgers going on uh, there's not one guy in there that's not confident we're going to win a World Series this year. I mean, I think guys truly believe we have a very good shot at winning it, and I think people believe we're going to. Like, I don't think there's anything but that. I mean, to me, there's we're going to win a World Series, and there's nothing other than that. That's, that is and so I think awesome. that's the mindset you have to have. I heard David Price say just the other day when all this corona stuff started happening that they're going to shorten the season to 100 and whatever games – and then people were going to complain because we won the World Series in only a hundred and some games. So that's kind of the mindset is it's talked about winning the World Series every single day. And the fact that it's like a legit thing that can actually happen, like you're not just saying it because you're in Major League Baseball. You're saying it because you have a legit chance every single year to win a World Series. What kind of leader is Mookie so far? Have you been bowling with him yet? And is what kind of guy is he so far on the field? He's a competitor, man. I mean – He's a guy that's going to do every little thing there is to win a game that day. And I mean, you, I, I heard that about him, but seeing that these past couple of weeks, that's him. That's him to a T. He's going to do every single little thing to help our team win. And that is all he cares about. So right him. now on the team right now, you have a Cy Young Award winner in Price, a Cy Young Award winner in Kershaw. You have an MVP in Mookie. Two MVPs. Bellinger. And Bellinger. And Bellinger. And did, did Turner win the Silver Slugger at one year or a gold glove? What has Turner done? He's a stud. I haven't even Seager gotten to Seager won a Silver Slugger. Sil- Seager did. You got Max Muncie. Muncie, yeah. Jock, who was in the home run derby and hit 50 homers. Crazy I talent. I don't think it bat. was 50, but it was a stupid amount yeah. in, that, in that round. Yeah, AJ Pollock, who Vladdy. somehow gets overlooked. Does he come gold, from Diamondbacks? A, yeah, he's Diamondbacks, a gold yeah, he's a gold lover. Gold, yeah, and he looks Stud. he gets overlooked. Yep. Does Turner get overlooked in a way in Major League Baseball? Yeah, because he's so. a guy sol- hits three hundred every single every year. year. How does he not? How is he not a more of a household name? Now I follow him on Instagram. I have for a long time for some reason. I just th- have this weird. I don't know him. I've never met him, but I have like this weird respect for him for no one no reason except that so I just if you think don't he, know his he story. I would go. I would go check out 
and do some research on Justin Turner's story to get where he is. It's a pretty good one. Mm -hmm. It's too long to like talk about, but it's a really good one. Yeah, in L.A., he is huge. I mean, you ask L.A. fans, he's like the number one guy they mention, him and Clayton. And yeah, with MLB, he does he gets a little overlooked for whatever reasons. But when you go to Dodger fans, he's not overlooked. Is he a at great all. teammate? Oh great. my gosh, one unbelievable! Is it comparable to Freeze? That kind of guy, that kind of nature, that kind of ma- yeah. They were both different. Freeze was a little quieter, and Justin's a little more, you know, outspoken. Um, but I mean, both you you want those guys on your team. You want to be around them. There's no other option but to win the World Series with the names you guys are throwing around. I mean, this is this is like a, it's incredible. This is man. a freaking it's, baseball you team. You walk in right the clubhouse, here. it's like, good God. They're just like, like you shouldn't lose a game. The who's who? You should go 162 and 0, pretty much, yeah. or, or whatever it's going to be this year. Hopefully, they don't shorten it too much. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I just hate when baseball's not in season. I wish they'd make you guys play year round. <laughs> Just nonstop. I no, I like the off season. Yeah. I know you do, and I love that's that that's hunting time. Yeah. I love yeah. that you guys get to hunt, but there's just something about this a, a baseball stadium and the aura and the the guys walking up and down and throwing peanuts and putting ketchup on a hot dog and the cold beers. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. I know that you guys have, haven't been in baseball as long as I have, but there's nothing like that. Was a joke. I mean, I know you guys are ballers. There's just nothing like this lifestyle, man that you guys are getting to live. It's like, I get goosebumps coming to spring training, which we're sad that is, you know, we're sitting around with no games to watch. Yeah. We, we gotten so spoiled down here to where when Ned was before Ned retired with Kansas city, he's a big hunter. He'd put us in his seats right behind him. Like the first row there in, in surprise, where do they share that field with Seattle? I think it's Texas, the uh, Rangers Rangers. Yeah. Who does Mariners share Padres. with Padres? So that Peoria. Yeah. You know, we'd sit right there and we'd crack a cold Bud Light and he'd hear it and he'd turn around and just look at me and go, you son of a bitch. You know, it'd be like 90 degrees. And I'm just like, dude, we're this, we're in the game, man. We're talking to the, like we're buddies. And then in between, you know, the next day we're in the dugout talking to him about hunting and his accident, you know, the tree stand accident he had when he was getting his farm ready. And I'm just, I, I'm so giddy about that common denominator of what our lifestyle does. And like you reach out about a duck call and now look at like we're you just there's that common bond that happens so quick amongst people that have that thread mm-hmm. of I don't know if it's baseball. I always say that duck hunting is the thread that has all these different walks of life together. And it doesn't matter if you're an experienced duck hunter or just been one time, but baseball's clubhouses. They're like the same thing, yeah. man. They're mm-hmm. just like a duck blind. Yep. Yeah. Just, it's just a brotherhood of just like, uh, and, and and the names that you guys are spouting off, it's just like the ultimate duck blind, man. Can you imagine having that deal? Vanilla <laughs> <laughs> in each of their hand. So now you're, 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 at, you're in Philadelphia. You get to the stadium. You're down the third base. You're down the first base, third base line, whatever home is on, on the visiting. Some are different. It's always was assumed that third base was the home team, but some aren't. Um, Dodgers are at home third base Mm -hmm. i've had some really good times at dodger stadium watching games they're awesome place um so you you get national anthem your home your guys are visitors in philadelphia what is the last thing that's done does does the manager pull everybody in and give you one more little raw raw or is it just hey everybody knows what they're getting ready to do let's go let's go play yeah i mean they're guys are kind of you know dancing the dugout getting guys hyped up uh, usually a strength coach. These are always fist pumps. You know, they're just little handshake routines that guys have. And it's a little bit of a pump up, but it's not like a team meeting. 
you know, like rah rah, here we go, let's go do this. When does the rah rah start? I could see some big energy opening day. Does it die out when you're when you get five games out of first place when you're fifty games into the season? Do you do? I don't do, know. For us, it was every single game last year. It our was, dugout energy is probably unmatched in the show. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, just awesome. Do, does it? We have a strength coach that's off the walls in the dugout but it's awesome i mean everybody loves it and i think mm-hmm. that kind of keeps the energy in so the, what do you do dugout. it's not like a softball team in college when you do the the the, the seances or this what do they do they do like cheers and stuff <laughs> seances <laughs> yeah cheers we'll call it's them cheers seance. i don't know what it's, it's a called, seance but it really is that's but what do you do are you guys like singing some freaking no i think you're just yelling like well, you gotta like you there's gotta, a lot of new stuff every day yeah it's i just i don't know Yell at the pitchers, yell at the umpires, and what's you your, don't do chants. What's I mean, your walkout song, Will? Well, last year was the Fresh Prince theme song. I don't know what it's going to be this year. Really? Give me a little bit of it, you little hip hop. No, no, Come no. on. <laughs> Come on. The one about moving to Philadelphia? Yep. That, How that's do you play that when you're in L.A.? Move to Philadelphia. I know that song. Come on, dude. Well, he's West moving to Philadelphia, Hollywood. Born yes. and raised on a playground is where I spent most of my days. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I don't know. Fans loved it. Oh, dude. Are you thinking about changing it? I'm thinking about it. I don't know yet, though. Were you named after Will Clark? No. Who were you named after? My my uncle. Your uncle was Wilbur? William. William. Mm-hmm. Who were you named after? My middle name was after my great-grandpa, but... Uh, What's your middle name? Paul. Paul. So walkout songs. Do you have one when you come out? I do out? not have one. I don't care. You don't. Why? I just I am not listening to whatever songs. What I did have. Gagney come out to? Do you guys remember Gagney? Do you remember that name? The yeah. saves leader in LA? I mean Eric I'm, Gagne. Just, Gagne? Gagne. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew what you were talking about though. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well just I don't know what he came out to, but that dude was nasty. Oh god. Nasty, nasty mm-hmm. dude. Like just never gave up a hit. Pretty yeah. much, yeah, unhittable. Yeah, sawed people down. What happened to him? Tommy John, or did he ruin his arm? I. That's a good question. I, I don't know. Just he was out of baseball so mm-hmm. fast. Like I don't even remember if he got traded or he was a stud in L.A. Though, but man, I give you guys kudos. So we'll just end it like this. You guys are in Philadelphia. You're playing the Phillies. They got Bryce Harper, media sensation, signed a big contract, the biggest in baseball. Then until Trout's came out. Is this something that weighs on you guys at this age in your life? Your agents, you're going into arbitration pretty soon. The next couple of years, you have an opportunity. Does it? Do you think about it? Is it better to knock on wood? Is it better not to even let these thoughts cross your mind of what could be, of what can come when you see some of these deals that are being inked? The the extension to the third baseman on the Rockies, who's a stud. They suck last year. Love the Rockies. Love Charlie. But that you know, he signed that big deal. Does does it start to? weigh on you guys that this could happen does it start to become a stress like man i can't throw my arm out man i can't get injured man we got to win what when do you guys start thinking about what could be financially i don't know i haven't gotten to that point yet um you know i'm just playing keep doing what i've been doing and the rest will kind of take care of itself you've thought about it i could tell by looking at you i mean it's hard not to think about 300 million dollars i mean let's be honest but yeah like will said i mean I think if you get caught up in thinking about the money, you're going to lose task of what you're actually trying to do, which is pitch and get guys out. So if you don't think about money and you think about pitching and get guys out, there's a good chance you're going to make a lot of money. If you so do, just do your job and pitch. If you do, we have an investment idea for you. It's called Prestige Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> Boats and hose. Boats and hose. <laughs> Dad, are you going to write me a check or what? <laughs> yeah. 
Man, congratulations, guys. This is awesome. Unbelievable team. I'm sorry about spring training. I'm sorry for all of us here because it's such a special deal in the Cactus League here in Arizona. Coming up 2020-21 season, or 2020 season. I was thinking of it as a duck season, but you guys stopped playing by November's the World Series now? October. Is it October now? I yeah, end of October. End of October. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who yeah. knows when it'll be you this year? You guys might play on Christmas Day. That'll be something. <sighs> something. What a God! What a letdown. But man, what a life! What a what a a privilege it is for you guys to do what you do and get paid to do it. You know, just like don't take that for granted. I know neither one of you do. You guys got both both have good heads on your shoulders. John and I were talking about how awesome it is that you guys could be in the big leagues and just walk in and you're just just dudes. And that's what's so cool about life is that you just you just you put your pants on the same way. Yep. You you're you're just gifted with a different skill set. Mm -hmm. John was good at choking people out and breaking people's arms and he's actually going to play uh dalton in the roadhouse the redo they're doing <laughs> again another reference that's not even known these guys are like roadhouse continue i don't know what roadhouse is but you know what i mean it's like it's it's awesome to know that you guys get to do this and that you include guys like us in it and we get to live in your shoes and live through you vicariously. And when we go to a Dodgers game this year, whether it's in Frisco or whether it's down in, in Dodger Stadium and to know like, man, you know, those guys are just dudes. Like when you walked in, I was like, man, he don't even look like he's out of high school that's yet. That's <laughs> when you walked in, I'm like, does that kid even have a driver's license? Yeah. <laughs> and the dude's hitting bombs in the big leagues, man. He's crazy. throwing people out. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you guys' love of hunting. We're going to do another podcast. I'm hoping that you guys will consider this. I don't know what the next 48 hours entails for you two, but I'd love you to come back and let's do a hunting one for the, our, our sister podcast. It's called mm -hmm. the foul life and foul could be like a baseball one too. Yeah. Foul ball. See what yeah. you did there. It's spelled different though, but I'd love you to come back and do that one this weekend. Um, you guys aren't going to be playing. You might be working out a little bit. I know you got a couple days off. If you can get away, I'd love to do that. Yeah, talk, can, yeah. talk duck calling a little bit, duck hunting a little bit. Your guys' love for deer hunting and the outdoors and conservation mm -hmm. and how that whole mindset of a hunter, you know, and how to, how it goes back to your approach in baseball and what hunting does for you guys in the off season, the therapy that, you know, how therapeutic it is mm -hmm. to go and relax and take some deep breaths and clean air outside. And uh, that's a big deal to me. So I think it's awesome how hunting brought us together. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool that we're going to come down and see some games this year. I was hoping to see you guys play this week, but that's not going to happen. Congratulations on the success so far. Keep kicking ass. I hope you guys are in the World Series this year and win it. I think you guys are going to win it. I really do. I don't think that anybody's going to stop you. The Yankees are going to be good. I think the Yankees are going to be pretty good. They're always pretty good. Yeah, Who else is in? There's who, some good teams out there. There's some good teams. What happens if you guys do hear a garbage can getting banged on? Mm, I'm hitting somebody. <laughs> I'm just, just going to hit him and just get it over with. Will Smith, good luck this year. Thank you. I want to come and take BP. Thank you for yep. the bat. Did you see? Oh, my you're bat, welcome. John? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to come and swing some sometime. If you guys could get me in into a after the coronavirus goes away, I'll wash my yeah. hands. I want to. I'm serious. I'll I wash want, my hands. Dude, I just want to come in there and just like maybe have your agent there. Maybe. <laughs> Let's 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 just put together let's put together an uh, like a, a situation here like situational hitting situational baseball. Chad, he just, my agent just happens to be here. Oh, look at this! There's a cross checker here too. This is the lead Dodger scout. We know you're 45, but dude, the swing is Griffey esque. Okay, we'd like to talk to you about finishing out the season. Just a one year contract. 
I don't know, I'll take 70, $75,000. But I really like you guys to go to work with your agents to try to get this set up. And I'm not kidding. Like I come across as a jokester. I really want this opportunity to swing the stick in the tunnel or on the field because I'll lose a few out into Hollywood Boulevard just or Santa Monica Boulevard. Which one's further away? I have no uh, idea. You don't know the geography? Probably Santa Monica. Yeah. 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 I'll hit one over, the, over Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah. Can you, you guys... I know you got a lot of time on your hands right now. Can you guys make some phone calls in the next couple of days to get this put together? I'll do it here before we leave Phoenix. We can see what we can do. One trial. Oh, it's gonna happen. One yeah. trial. A six. I'll run a sixty in probably six seven three right now. I got wheels. I can freaking run down a fly ball in the gap. I got unbelievable back step, first step, all of that. Equilibrium, depth perception. I'm not kidding. Like I really want to try out. I want to make the major leagues. Can you guys help me, John? Will you speak mm. on my behalf real quick? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I will say I don't have this. To say. I, I will say this. Chad is fairly impressive for a forty-five-year-old guy, but I, I don't think you can keep up with these young yeah. boys. But why couldn't I, dude? I ain't gonna get hurt, injured. I'm like unbreakable. No, I'm being for real. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just saying, like, I want to play in the majors. <laughs> if you guys said this is bullshit, because if you came to me, Will, and said, Chad, I'd really like to go on a duck hunt and shoot a Benelli, I'd be like, done. I'm just reversing the roles here a little bit. I want you to say done. Get me in the majors, Will. Done. <laughs> done. Got it. If it was just, only if it was that easy, man. Right? Only if it was that. Only like you think you're there. You think you're so good. I'm one of the top 1,279 players eligible for the Major League Baseball draft. And I didn't have a cell. There wasn't even cell phones invented back then, I don't think. Maybe they were. But, dude, I had my dial, my rotary phone there, and I watched it for 48 hours, and not one time did it ring. One time it did, and it was it was Domino's making sure they got my order right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. Y'all go check out the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. They're going to rock it. They're going to win the NL West. They're going to win the National League. They're going to win the World Series title for 2020 Major League Baseball. John Kerry, thank you for co-hosting. Will, Caleb, thank you. Good luck. You look good in that hat, dude. Thanks. You look like a country singer. Hit a note real quick. <laughs> All my exes live in Texas. Tom, hit that button. This is Leith Lofton. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Thank you all very much. We're all equal, that's what I think. I don't believe even has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth And don't make a dollar bill all this work Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell without a soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Than rich as hell out of souls Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do When the money's all gone Say life on earth Won't last that long What you gonna do When the money's all